Yeah, it's Fred here again. Welcome back. And really, uh, I'm not going for a walk right now. I know I usually go for a walk, and that's what I'm supposed to be doing right now when I'm speaking. But what I'm doing right now is sharpening my saw. So I'll just sharpen my saw when I'll... I don't even know what I'm going to say. I have no clue what I'm going to say. But uh, I just thought I'd try it, you know, since I'm sitting here anyhow. Um, I'm told that I'm a relatively capable multitasker. So, um, I'll be sharpening my saw and speaking with you at the same time. So, um, again, it's still the spring, you know, springtime, springtime, and it's not really full-on pump and spring. So that's the big thing that's going on here. Um, I just like to, th it's kind of fun to think ahead of time what we might see on our adventures moving forward. Um, this summer, I mean, this spring and summer. Like, uh, okay, I'll just imagine the things that I would like to see. Well, one of the things I'm going to do is let's see if we can't track some of these bears again and see what they're they're up to in this habitat. It'll be inevitable that we'll bump into them uh, in their sign anyhow, and uh, it'll be kind of fun to read their sign and just sort of see what's going on. Similarly, it would be nice to locate some sapsucker nest cavities. Maybe we can do that. And we could maybe visit some eagles nesting uh, and listen to the sounds of the eagles. And I can describe to you what's going on through the season. Um, you know, it would also, I'd like to give you a commentary on, on some uh, migratory whales that'll be, hopefully I can spot from shore. And I'll let you know what I'm seeing there and how much fun that is just to hang out in a sunny spot or even a rainy spot and observe the whales uh, near shore feeding. So yeah, so some of those things could be good. Um, yeah, red-throated loons, they'll be cool to see. And I mean, it's all good to see. So I'll just keep sharpening my saw. I'm just kind of envisioning, right? Um, a really cool thing to see would be, boy, wouldn't it be fun if we could come across an otter, well, not so much an otter den, but a marten den. That would be cool. I was out uh, a couple of days ago and I thought, I thought I saw a pheasant. Uh, we used to have pheasants kicking around here. Somebody introduced them. They lasted for quite a while, then they got they died out. Um, uh, so I was reminiscent of that, but it wasn't. It was just a blue grouse, but it just startled me. He was running, and he kind of lifted his tail feathers and stuck his head forward and ran forward. He just kind of had his head down a little, and he kind of looked like a pheasant at first. Brought back a memory, but it wasn't. And it's all good, but it did remind me of last year when I was tracking the uh, blue grouse through the regen along the edge of the woods there where we'll be going again and finding the multiple dust baths in those regions where they go and feed and I'm not entirely certain what, what they're all feeding on so I'd like to um, figure that out a bit more I mean I know they'll eat the buds they'll eat spruce buds and stuff like that and I, I had an injured one uh, that I was uh, rehabbing, and uh, he's a pretty cool little guy. I was feeding him buds and stuff too, like little buds, along with other things. But um, let's see what they're feeding on. Like, there's a lot of beach pea down there, and you know, there's grubs and stuff. Uh, some of the areas I'm talking about really aren't high salal areas, but there are associated areas that do have salal and salal berry. So salal berries are very nutritious for these little birds, and they're plentiful. So I guess if you think of it in terms of the unfolding seasonality of all the matrix of 
food possibilities for whatever's feeding on anything, but let's say a blue grouse, then uh, it'll be fun to kind of observe the season. Like I know they do move into the Solal uh, later on when there's berries uh, and they just feed on them quite often. I've even seen them feeding uh, through the Solal being uh, with young, you know, like half grown young uh, and just feeding while the, uh, the ravens are hunting them above and following them around, right? It's kind of a, it's kind of an eerie sight actually to watch that happen. And, uh, yeah, so it's just this kind of things. And, uh, I guess what happens is I end up dreaming about it in my own mind while I'm sitting in the cabin waiting for spring. And I'm just sitting here sharpening my saw because I got to use it today. And it needs a, one, a little bit of a working over. Um, oh, the other thing was the uh, sawwood owls. I guess I get out. I haven't really. They should be. They should be doing some stuff soon too. So, just lots to do. And gosh, getting it out there, getting it all done. Um, the one thing that I do enjoy about these podcasts, even though I'm inside sharpening my saw, I am thinking about. Um, the times when I'm out in the woods and stuff, and that gives me some um, something interesting to think about and or to look forward to, because I don't watch TV or anything, so my next episode is is what's happening tomorrow in life, with, and I like to observe nature, so that's my show. That's my television show that I like to watch, and and the other part of that, that show that I enjoy is, of, is in my life is the fact that... Um, uh, I try to utilize um, my time, uh, sometimes in a more determined way, to uh, stay present uh, inside of the here now and the unfolding moment and just to breathe. And actually settle myself in such a way uh, that I can take things in more wholeheartedly uh, and less brainiacally and uh, and try to um, be present in a, in a state of being, so to speak, uh, inside of the unfolding moment, staying present by breathing. So times like that when a frickin' chickadee comes and lands on your head, right? And uh, you got to just keep breathing <laughs> and stay steady. I've had stuff like that happen, uh, like with goshawks, not landing on my head though, <laughs> but doing a quiet, you know, just anyways, there are a whole series of different experiences while you or I, I should say, when I just settle down into a spot like when I walk through the, into the woods or wherever it is I go uh, and do and do settle myself in a way, try to achieve the um, a clear brain stem, so to speak, and clear mind and uh, then uh, settle in and be quiet and focus on breath and just settle in. Uh, then all kinds of things occur in the woods. And so I encourage 
that you can observe. And you're given a bit of space. If you can maintain that mind, then other creatures will give you a bit more credit because they won't feel your your urban vibe or your 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 hunter's vibe or whatever it is. They're gonna see that you're just relaxed and chill and not entirely focused on their them. But there's other things going on too as you're sitting there quietly breathing if you're observing is the fact that, you know, nature is pumping all around you in all its various ways and forms. And mediums, our senses are out there, uh, you know, being observant and taking things in at some level when we let it. And so just heart, just honing in on our senses a little bit. And when I say that, when I'm including you, I'm saying our senses. Just remember that really, I'm talking to myself here in a chair, sharpening my chainsaw. So I'm really only just talking about myself. I have this habit sometimes. I have a buddy who I always encourage to do certain things. And then later after I do that, I realize, you know what? That's really just what I need to do. And then I just wonder why I'm sticking my nose into somebody else's affairs. But I just like it. The intention is encouragement. That's what it is. But it doesn't come off like that always. <laughs> Sometimes it just seems, uh, I don't know, pushy or whatever. So I have to watch out for stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's funny though, you know, sometimes when you consider, when I consider the fact that I spend a lot of time observing wildlife per se, or other things, but wildlife in particular, and trying to bring it in, uh, not, I'm not very self-aware. That's something I've learned. So, um, or I've been told. <laughs> and so... And it never did concern me before, but I realized that uh, that can be an issue in one's life. Um, so I'm working on that. Um, yep. Uh, yeah, but that's... That's just a little insight, I guess to my own personal baloney. And, uh, so... But nature seems to always be a good tonic. And... Yeah. I just keep babbling on about that. Like, it's not like I babble on about like that all the time, 24 hours a day. It's just that I'm trying to invest my energies on these podcasts uh, in a way that's relatively disciplined. Obviously, it's not disciplined because each one of these is a, is a ramble. But, um, uh, but basically kind of thinking openly about our place in nature as human beings and myself in particular as my own self. I'm my own experiment in terms of my perception and trying to understand things and, uh, you know, looking through paradigms uh, the, the various sort of um, translucent membranes or sometimes completely uh, opaque membranes and different paradigms and seeing what's possible, but not necessarily trying to understand paradigms as much as, as I was speaking earlier in terms of 
breath and meditating state, we'll call it. But just with me, it's not, I don't know if you could even call it that, but uh, letting things in and, and, and then opening yourself in such a way that, that there aren't as many preconditions in terms of thought. And you just take things in as they come with your surroundings and see what does happen. Um, if you can keep your focus at the very least on your breath and don't let intrusive thoughts enter your brain and somehow keep them out by releasing them as they come and focusing back on breath. Interesting insights can occur. And at the very least, if there's no particular insight, it still is a different experience that you wouldn't necessarily have without having put yourself there first in that situation. Physically, it takes time to go sit on a log somewhere in the woods and or anywhere for that matter. Take time to yourself to breathe and try to center yourself in a way that connects you to the earth and the planet and everything else, the cosmos for that matter. And uh, not necessarily to reflect on any thoughts or anything, but to clear the thoughts from your brain for a while and feel the sun on your cheek and see the shimmer of sunlight on a puddle or whatever it is, and inside of there, hey, look at those, little polywogs. That one's got little legs. And look at that, a kingfisher comes by and just ate one, whatever it is. Things are going on around, things that are completely sort of autonomous in their activities as compared to what you're thinking. And so it's fun to watch the eagles feeding hunting ducks, or to track martens through the snow, and or to see the emerging moths as they emerge from their pupae and become these crazy creatures that float through the canopy emitting their pheromones. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on around. And again, that's just the terrestrial environment. And it happens everywhere, all around the Earth and this planet in its various and myriad ways and to be fully present and aware of all of it is just too much from one person I would think for myself I mean I can possibly even get through a textbook sometimes but um, you know just a lot of information but just the general vibe of everything being connected right and uh, what that really means. And also, what's the true nature of thought? I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of essential, or I shouldn't say essential, that's not really what I mean, eternal quandaries that are central uh, uh, or tandem, go along tandem with the evolution of mankind. Right? And you wonder, why do I always say you when I really what I mean is me? And I wonder, quite often as I do, what, what is that all about? 
I just think, see those I was talking to a close friend about different modalities of perception and the organizational structure behind those modalities of perception. Uh, we'll say like empiricism as compared to mechanical reasoning, as compared to, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's just that there's different ways of perceiving and structuring your worldview. Uh, and these worldviews are uh, varied and specific to different peoples around the world and in different periods of space and time, cultures have emerged in a variety of forms, etc. and so forth. And inside of all these cultures and all these paradigms created by all these various cultures emanating from these different places, there's central themes that seem to carry through the ages regarding let's say good and evil, or um, something like that. And uh, just the general inherent ability to be, to be able to discern good from, right from wrong, right? And how that structure of um, perception, uh, you know, gets related into your brainstem in such a way that, you know, you think that these are proper uh, ways to be. And how those, how the mindset and perceptions of cultures can sometimes fade with time and or emerge into other cultures. Coming to the point where we exist today, right? And uh, so I guess what I think about is how would our current paradigm, when I say ours, I'm living in northern Canada, northwestern Canada, in the North Pacific. You know, how does our, what are our, what is our paradigm? How does our paradigm fit? And what is our paradigm? You talk about, um, I'm, I keep saying you, and really what I mean is I, so I'll keep correcting myself, but hopefully you'll remember by now that that's, I mean myself. I wonder... What is our paradigm? Like, how is our worldview, how is our regional worldview um, going to manifest itself in the future, right? And how, how will that impact or, uh, our surrounding environment? Or how will that be in line with our perceptions of how we want to um, preserve our... Uh, our environments in such a way that they will sustain future generations. I mean, you know, are we really thinking about these things? And sure, we're thinking about them. Are we really taking concrete steps? Well, in some cases we are. Is it enough? I don't think so. And uh, what are some of the solutions? Uh, and who's coming up with them? And how are they being applied? And what are the real issues? Well, inside of the context of what I'm talking about now, I think some of the real issues, this is my personal opinion, and I would imagine it's um, 
echoed by a lot of other people, is that uh, we need to pay attention to the impacts that we have collectively as humans on the planet's biosphere, right? Like, uh, that seems to be a general conclusion. And that general... Um, Uh, thought or that general uh, impression, uh, you know, it could be seen to be carried through and just in terms of going back into the history of humans as a species, um, you know, knowing that we, I mean, we are, we have emerged as forager, hunter-gatherers, and beyond that time period, you know, uh, if you look at the way that our, if you are, if you look at things from a, the point of view as uh, um, as an evolution of a being in terms of a life form and how humans actually emerged onto this planet from a biological perspective, you would see that it, uh, through the millenniums and all the various millions of years of evolution of life on the planet, hundreds of millions of years of evolution for life on the planet, how humans have had to freaking, and all life forms for that matter, uh, you know, just keep manifesting into their different forms and emerging in a way that allows them to sustain themselves. And all the successful um, uh, experiences by all the life forms allows them to perpetuate themselves into the future. It's just a funny, or not a funny, but a curious thing to consider. And, um, but, you know, if we are to... Um, sort of, uh, how do I say this? If we are to isolate ourselves from this perception, from the perception that we actually in fact evolved from inside of this complex of species and ecosystems, uh, and we negate any sanctity towards that. I mean, we say that doesn't mean anything. It's just a pure resource to me, and I'm going to plug that in as a commodity to... Um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use that as a resource to create a commodity to plug into the economy and then therefore I can live my dreams, right? Uh, because I just made a ton of dough from being a brilliant entrepreneur. Uh, you know, how does that affect, uh, what, how does that behavior, that type of behavior affect the surrounding environment, etc. and so forth? Is there any real true measure of the impacts that are accrued on nature, and uh, what is the resiliency of nature uh, in the face of exploitation, and how is that being monitored, and um, how is that also being, um, how is any of that information being considered and then reapplied in any kind of a developing idea of uh, management from a sustainability perspective, right? So, I mean, this is me just kind of sitting here uh, avoiding work and kind of babbling on about a subject. I don't even know how I got here, except uh, these are random unfolds. These are random uh, sort of like stream of consciousness uh, little things. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so all that stuff. That's all, you know, kind of like... Uh, the struggle, I guess, is, okay, I have a friend who is actually doing some writing, and I'm encouraging him to keep going. And I'm thinking, good on you, man. 
he's actually uh, doing it. Like, uh, you know, he's doing it. And uh, he's, he's, he's being his authentic, authentic self. And he is saying what he feels he needs to say regarding certain subjects about windmills and how they affect raptors in particular, but all birds. And uh, I'm actually hoping to talk to him uh, soon. And uh, I did mention before, if you've listened to any of my earlier episodes, on the very early ones, that uh, I'm going to talk to a few friends of mine uh, on different... And just, uh, again, it'll be an open stream of consciousness on some subject I have no, no not what yet until we physically speak. And... Uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting to get in somebody else's head. You've been listening to my babbling, and it's all gobbledygook, and with plenty of isms. But, uh, yeah, fun to listen to someone else than me. And uh, I have a lot of really interesting friends, I believe. I am very fortunate to have them. And uh, I've managed to uh, acquire... Uh, friends from different periods in my life, which I still maintain friendships with, and I know there's a whole host of others, which I still maintain friendships with in my mind and heart, but because I'm so isolated, I don't speak as much or communicate as much unless I see you face to face. That's why these um, podcasts are kind of fun, because I just pretend like I'm visiting somebody and I talk, and it allows me to do that because the rest of the time I'm just alone in the woods with Raven Buddy and all the birds you hear, like that, like, I have only captured just like a minimal, minimal amount of the, anything regarding the kind of stuff I see or go through in a day uh, in the woods here and stuff, and um, I guess, you know, it's kind of a cop-out just to talk like I do. Like, I'm just making stuff up, like, in terms of uh, what I'm thinking right now. I mean, I make it up, but what I'm saying is there's no scripted anything. I'm just babbling on. And uh, that, I'm sure by now, could be uh, making you a little bored. So I'm just going to give it up now and... Uh, Get this saw out there, tighten tighten the bar a bit. I got a, a little blurb in the chain or in the bar that I don't like, so we'll see how good we can do with the saw today. Anyways, I know that was a lot of nonsense, but uh, there it is, just the same. And thanks for hanging out. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just kind of cool if you're driving down the freeway listening to some gobbledygook. Okay, bye.